We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Sunday. A rare miss by Quickly, but that will do it. The Knicks split a pair in Chicago following the loss on Monday. They defeat the Bulls 107 to 103 with Julius Randle leading the way once again for the Knicks with 27 points. So the Knicks jump over the Bulls in the Eastern Conference standings. Now have a record of 10 and 13. All right, the Knicks win 107-103. I think. After the Clippers game, I, I may have used the words moral victory. What's the opposite of moral victory? A, uh, I guess an amoral victory, right? Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. This was rough. Um, this, was, uh, this was not the Knicks' best effort of the season in terms of cleanliness, <laughs> um, in terms of execution. Um, yeah, no, James, I agree with you. I've, I've aged, Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, it was, a, it was an ugly game. It was an ugly game. And it was a game the entire way through. I was like, they're going to lose this game. Even when they were up 19, I was like, get up by 20 so I could feel like they're going to win this game. And they didn't get up by 20 and they kept chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And, um, here's, here's the positive spin that I will put on this. Um, I, I will, I will say that to a certain extent, they won this game with defense because I did think, well, they, well, they certainly had some defensive possessions that were, uh, as, as my buddy Ray will say, as ugly as a monkey's armpit, um, like the Levine or, um, the marketing stroll down the middle of a lane for, for a dunk. Um, there were a couple of other ones. They played sound defense, and they played sound defense throughout this entire game. And and look, say this about Tibbs: he, he always says, even when your when your shots not falling, um, you could always play defense, and you could always play hard, and you could always play the right way. I don't know if they played the right way today because 
there was they just kind of ditched their offense um, in the second half, and they were going one on one. And you know, thankfully, we had Julius Randle, and and the other team didn't. Um, what I will say is, I don't think that I don't think that there is such a thing as a bad win um, it, when you're a team in the Knicks position when you've lost five of six when you've lost two in a row, when you're like on the verge of kind of letting the season slip away, which I don't think it's too much to say that if they had lost this game, they would have fallen to um, nine and 14, five games under 500. I think they would have fallen out of the, the top 10 seeds for the first time. I thought this was, I said it after the last game. I thought this was a really important game. I thought this was, I just thought they had to win this. I thought they had to write the ship. Now they have two games off before they play how many games in a row at home, which they have not. So the Knicks this season have played three games in a row at, at home only one time. And um, they're going to play two games in a row at home now. Then they go on the road for two more. Then two more at home, one on the road, and then five at home. So they play nine of their next 12 games at home. I, I – I really this this may feel this may be a bit much but like I don't know I think I think this was a big win. Um, everybody was bad today except for Julius Randall and even Julius Randall had his moments but nobody was good. So um, let's go through the the talking points of the discussion. So Randall was only eleven for twenty. It feels like he was a lot better than that. I mean, probably because he hit five of seven from three. Give him credit, though, for for this. The Bulls, us, the Bulls announcers, anybody walking in the streets of Chicago, literally anyone within a vicinity of like a five-mile radius of that arena, and anyone watching on any TV anywhere thought Julius Randle was going to put up the shot that he ended up with the kickout pass to Bullock. And Patrick Williams certainly thought Julius Randle was going to put up the shot, but Julius Randle didn't put up the shot. He passed out to Bullock, and it was the right play. And it's why he has a chance to make the All-Star team this year. And Bullock made the three, and I thought that was probably the biggest shot of the game. Um, So (laughs) I see uh, the Mavs won on apparently a Kristaps Porzingis tip-in. I did not see the end of the game, but, yeah, that sucks. Um, so give Julius Crandall credit for even if he went a little bit too much one-on-one and even if that did take the Knicks out of their offense, um, it worked more than it didn't. He was a plus 14 in the game they won by 10, or excuse me, by four. Um, and uh, he was good. I mean, I don't know what else you want to say. He, he played like an all-star tonight. No one else did. I mean, there were a couple other good stat lines. R.J. Barrett had 17 points. Alfred Payton had 20 points. Of course, Alfred Payton, despite the start that he had, still missed more shots than he made and still wound up pissing everybody off by the end of the game, including me. He is really just at that place where it doesn't even matter if he's going well. He's just really difficult to watch. He's just really hard to watch. And um, it's not, it's just, it's diminishing returns. Even when things go well on offense, it's diminishing. And I, 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 I must sound like a broken record because I come on here every time and I say the same thing. Tibbs is doing this to develop Emmanuel. The organization wants to develop Emmanuel quickly, um, leading those bench units. 
when Emmanuel quickly has it going, they leave him in to end the first half in the fourth in the fourth quarter, obviously. When he doesn't, puts Peyton back in. He likes Alfred Payton's defensive consistency. No, that doesn't mean Alfred Payton is a good defensive player. Yes, it does mean that he could count on being or Alfred Payton being at the right place at the right time. That matters to Tibbs. Does it matter as much to Tibbs as it should? Maybe it matters a little bit more than it should. But again, I'm sitting here talking about a team that's 10 and 13 um, that was picked to win uh, 22 or and a half games. So for any criticism you want to give them in, I went on my rant the other night. I, I'm not going to go on a rant again because I did not think Tibbs coached a particularly great game. I think he would probably admit that. But you can only critique so much with uh, what he's been able to do. Um, you know, when he continues to give most of the young guys a chance to shine, I saw initially Raphael Burgess, uh, Tibbs doesn't care about development. So you're going to have to explain that one to me because Tibbs is in the first year of a five-year deal. He has one player on this team, exactly one, that is a veteran that's not what we would put in the development group, right, Julius Randle, that might be here past next season. He knows these other guys, Alec Burks, Reggie Bullock, Nerlens Noel, Ethel Perrin. He knows all these guys are gone. They're done. And he knows in their place at some point, pretty soon, are going to be the kids that he has here on this roster. He knows that. You may not like how Tibbs has gone about developing the young players on this team. But if you don't think he cares about it, I apologize. You're wrong. Because it, it, unless the man completely is, is, is unaware of what is in his own best interests, he thinks that the best way to develop young players is to make them earn their minutes and to have a situation where wins still matter, where you're not tanking, and where you're playing meaningful games into, in this season at least, March, April, May. Because Tibbs feels if you do that and you have a, a culture of accountability and a culture where there are actual wins at stake and they mean something, that if young guys play those minutes, even if it's 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 minutes a game, that those minutes will matter doubly or triply as much as the minutes Kevin Knox was playing when he was a rookie. How much did Kevin Knox playing 30 minutes a game? I'm pretty sure Kevin Knox played more minutes than any other rookie. He got carte blanche to do whatever the fuck he wanted. How much did that help Kevin Knox's development? That's what I'm wondering. And the other thing that I would pose, um, and you say there's no accountability. I'm sorry, I'm picking on you, Raphael. There's no accountability for Peyton Rivers or Bullock. Those guys will come in there and do what they're supposed to do. Are they always good at what they're supposed to do? No. Do they do what they're supposed to do? And they and and do they give you a certain baseline of competence on the defensive end? Yes. Could you argue that Kevin Knox was giving them a baseline of defensive competence on the defensive end for a while? Absolutely. And when he was giving them that baseline of defensive competence, he was playing. And then over the last handful of games, he stopped giving them that baseline of defensive competence. And that's why his ass is on the bench. Can he get it back? I hope so. Is he going to have to earn it? Yes. Should he have to earn it? Who the fuck am I to say? I haven't won a goddamn NBA game in my coaching career. Tibbs has won however many he's won. So if he thinks that that is the best way to get the most out of these young players, or maybe, just maybe, these kids that aren't playing so much aren't any fucking good. Which, hey, um, I hate to put it out there, but it is what it is. 
The only one, if you want to be, you know, a little critical about um, is Obi. And again, it's, it, I can't blame the Knicks for drafting him when they didn't know Julius Randle was going to play like an all-star. And he's still giving Obi chances every night because Obi's at least doing what he can. Um, and I think he's, he's doing his best to execute. So um, to me, this is, this is how you turn around a franchise. It's not always going to be pretty. There are going to be people that left, get get left behind in the dust, but, and, and Manny says the people that are playing aren't good either. That's because this is a shitty team. It's a shitty team. It's a team without talent. It's a team that everybody went into this season looking at and saying, this team is not going to win 20 games, which is why when the over-under came out, a lot of people were like, holy shit, the Knicks over-under is 22 and a half. Where, take all my money. Give, take it all. They're going to get the under. You know, and, and like nobody on this team is great other than Julius Randle, you know. Um, RJ's obviously made strides. Mitchell Robinson's made strides. Alex, uh, Alec Burks has had some moments. Emmanuel quickly is, you know, God's gift to humanity. But as we saw tonight, he's still a rookie. He's still going to be inconsistent. These are issues that you have when you have a bad team. But he has made the decision to try to get the most out of them. And tonight it resulted in a win. And, you know, be critical of the guy all you want. I just, I really do have trouble. <laughs> I have trouble doing that, uh, you know, when he's 10 and 13, um, you know, with this roster. Important caveat. Uh, all right. Let me talk about a couple other guys before I take questions. Um, RJ. RJ struggled in the second half. I thought RJ had a really great first half. Am I going to fault RJ? Like, I, again, I've been hard on RJ over the last year. Am I going to fault RJ for having some rough moments in the second half when the offense slowed down and, and they're really keying in on him? No, I'm not going to fault RJ for that. The kid's 20 years old. Um, I thought he had a really good game overall, despite the the fact that some less than – a good game for him, a good game in, for his development. I'll say that. I thought he every game he's making strides. Same thing with Emmanuel Quickly. Emmanuel Quickly, he only made two baskets tonight, or three baskets tonight, excuse me. Um. Uh, and I'll, I'll take this comment. I don't think Emmanuel quickly getting 13 minutes just because Alfred Payton finally hit some layups is good for the long term. If that was happening every night, I would completely agree with you. But over the last whatever it's been, seems like several weeks, quickly's averaging more minutes than Payton. I didn't think quickly was great tonight. I mean, maybe I missed something. Um, I thought he was okay, but at the same time, there were a couple of possessions there when quickly was running the offense where the offense didn't really get into anything. Um, is he being harder on quickly than he's being on probably anybody else on the roster? Absolutely. Is that a decision that he through his coaching experience feels that he has to make? Maybe, you know, again, I, I'm, if you want to, if you want to say that's the wrong decision, that's your right. I just, I'm going to defer to the guy that, that has won all these games. Um, and I thought, you know, the minutes that quickly gave them were important minutes. Like I was about to say, he made, a, other than the bullet basket from the corner, I thought quickly made the most important basket of the game. Um, the three-pointer when I actually I wrote it down because the score, it, it didn't feel like the game was about to get away from them because I think they still had a double-digit lead. That's right. They were up by 11. But things were starting to slip away and quickly hit a three and it made it 88-74. 
and it gave them that cushion back. And I'm convinced that if he didn't hook that, hit that three, they would have lost this game. So I thought Quickly's minutes were important. Um, yes, the other three hit was important too. Every every shot Quickly hits is important because he's the only thing that gives any verve to this offense. He's there. I, I said the other night I thought he was their third most important player. Man, I don't know. I don't know if 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 you took him off this team for a month and if you took R.J. Barrett off this team for a month, what would hurt more? And this is not. That's obviously not to disparage R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett's been been wonderful. But I actually think they could replace RJ's minutes more easily than they could replace Quickly's minutes, um, which is crazy. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, Colin, what's up, man? Uh, you, uh, Muhammad, of course you could curse. Um, <laughs> so many Noel mistakes tonight. Um, yeah, Noel's he's he's a gift and a curse. Uh, it felt like him and Mitch played about the same number of minutes tonight. Mitch played twenty eight, Noel played nineteen, so not quite. Um, I thought Mitch was good. I thought Mitch was really aggressive on the boards. And uh, I thought Mitch was – he's – Mitch is just – I've said this before. He, Mitch Mitchell Robinson is just so much more um, sound on the pick and roll, on pick and roll defense. Again, not perfect, but he's just – the fact that you could rely on Mitch to give you the correct pick and roll coverage every time. And, and I, I, I can't emphasize enough, when I say correct pick and roll coverage – he really has his distance between how far away he's supposed to be from the ball handler and how far he's supposed to be from the roll man. Perfect. Whereas Noel will veer too much to one side or too much to the other. And that's where you see teams get whatever they want in the lane. And that's where things start to go haywire. When Mitch is in the game, it feels like their again, their baseline of defensive competence is like at a certain level and it doesn't go below that. And that's an incredibly valuable asset to have on your basketball team, which is why he's, you know, he's he's definitely their fourth most important player after after uh, Julius quickly and, and Barrett. Um, Rivers is the one messed everything up for the bench. Never passes. Uh, Rivers could pass more. Sure, he could pass more. I agree with that. But that's his game. That's what he's going to do. Um, is Mitch that significantly better than a guy like Daniel Gafford on the defensive end he is? Maybe not offensively. He's probably no different than Daniel Gafford offensively. Defensively, I think he's a he's a big he's a big step up. Um Randall really couldn't handle the double team in the second. Uh from Jacob uh Fishbein. Sorry if I got that right. Um he couldn't handle the double team in the second. To me, Julius not handling the double team means he's taking shots he shouldn't in the lane or like doing crazy spin shit. I didn't think he did any of that. Um, or he's turning the ball over, um, which he did a few times tonight, but I didn't think his turnovers was a result were a result of him not handling the, the double. I mean, he had, he had six assists to two turnovers to three turnovers. Excuse me. Um, that's fine. You'll take six to three from him any night. Um, Richard. Uh, oh, I know Richard from Twitter. Top to bottom, coaches and players is the most promising Knicks team I've seen in years. I would agree with that, which is crazy because they're not the most talented Knicks team we've seen in years. Um, if Quickly had played like the uh, Peyton has played this season, he would be in the G League. I don't, I don't disagree with that. At least on offense, um, I do think Peyton. Again, I'm, I'm not trying to tell you. This is when I, this is when I sound like an asshole. At least I recognize it. Um, Peyton's, Peyton's not a good defender. But he he doesn't make mistakes. 
Peyton's issues on defense are, are he doesn't he can't get around a screen to save his life when he's when he's not bringing the prop, proper level of intensity, which the past several games he wasn't. I thought tonight he came out with a good deal of intensity. When Peyton comes out with that deal of intensity on defense, I actually think he's a sound defender because he he knows where he's supposed to be. He is in those spots. He gets his steals every now and then. But when he's like lollygagging it, like he had. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He's been on defense. It's just, it's, it's, you, you're right. He should be in the G League. Um, but again, this isn't about Peyton. This is about wanting to develop Emmanuel quickly on the ball with the second unit. I, I guarantee you the Knicks are going to trade for a point guard. If you think the Knicks, I will bet everybody in here a beer um, that the Knicks are not going to end the season with Alfred Payton as their starting point guard. And I guarantee you Tibbs is the guy who wants to change the most. You think he doesn't see this shit? He knows what he's looking at. He's not stupid. What else have we got? Obi is a bust, yo. I don't think Obi's a bust. However, I've had a few few moments this season where I've I've looked at Obi make some plays where I'm like, hmm, it's a little worrisome. But I haven't I haven't I haven't gotten I haven't gone crazy. When he couldn't post up Thomas Sadaransky, and in fairness, Thomas Sadaransky is a solid six seven. Not a not a not a tiny man. But man, when he put up that fadeaway on Sadaransky, um and it was an air ball. That's probably the most most worried I've been. I'm still not too worried, but that's the most worried I've been. Uh, but again, he's played like whatever, fifteen or sixteen games. Uh, let's give it fifty before we call him a bus. Chris, I'm not going to read that. That was a good. That's a good comment, uh, Kiolo. Um, what am I drinking tonight from Gabe uh, Somerstein? I'm drinking the only bourbon I have in my house right now, which is uh, Bullet Bourbon. Uh, I have a, a a dark rum that I, I also drink occasionally, but I'm in need of some scotch. I'm in need of I want a new a new a new scotch. I I I I'll probably go and get a, a bottle of Black Label at some point this week because I'm running out. But if anybody has any scotch tips, uh, he has Obi playing a pick and pop four. Isn't his strength supposed to be as a post player, rim runner? Put the kid in a position to succeed. Uh, Jeremy Ansel, Anselson. Um, hope I got that right. Completely agree. Um, Obi, I, I wrote in the newsletter today, I think Obi's destiny in the league is as a as essentially Montrez Harrell, where a guy who's playing 25 minutes a game, but he's a backup, 
and he's, you just put him in the pick and roll. Every play, pick and roll against backups with a guy like Quickly surrounded by three shooters. If you put Obi Toppin on the floor surrounded by three shooters and give him a pick and roll partner like Emmanuel Quickly, that back that that backup unit will outscore teams in an unfair fashion. Um, so that obviously begs the question: Do you play him at center or do you try to get a stretch five? I mean. Ideally, a stretch five. There are stretch fives out there to be had nowadays. There's so many big guys you could shoot, so you could find those dudes. But, you know, that's that's what I think that they should do. Uh, thoughts on the Knicks throwing bags at Gary Trent Jr. from Jonas. Uh, what kind of bags are we talking? Because if Gary Trent Jr. keeps this shit up, I mean, what do you think his agent's going to do? His agent's going to point to Joe Harris. His agent's going to point to um, D- Davis Bertans. Uh, his agent's going to point to, I mean, Miami's, God knows what they're going to give. Uh, what's his face? Um, my God, I really, my brain is cloudy at the end of these games. The tall white boy who could shoot in Miami. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, people talk, tossing around 60 million. Robinson, thank you. Duncan Robinson, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, Gary Trent, someone's going to pay Gary Trent Jr. four years, $50 million or $60 million because. Why not? Um, I would much, I would much rather. Yes, everybody, everybody chiming in with the Duncan now. Um, is that the way that I want the Knicks to spend their money? Probably not. Um, I would like, to, given where they're going to be drafting, they they might have a chance at this. Uh, well, there's Kispert in the draft. I haven't really gotten into draft stuff too much, but Kispert in the draft is like he's. I mean, he's, he's putting up a, what, a 50-50-90 season this year in college? Um, that dude's insane. You got the uh, Moody kid in uh, from Arkansas. Um, there are shooters in this draft. They're not shooters at the position that New York really needs, which is the point guard. But there are shooters in this draft. So before I go pay Gary Trent Jr., um, I, I might want to go the draft route instead um, after we have bypassed uh, Mikal Bridges and um, Devin Vassell in, in two out of the last three years. Uh, is Allen Houston of hell? Uh, Moses Moody. Thank you. I appreciate the the first name. Yeah, the Gonzaga dude who could shoot is, is Corey Kispert. Um, what is it you think pivoted Tibbs' decision to change up the backcourt? <laughs> Colin, that's very funny. Uh, I hope nobody got duped by the fake account this morning. That was not me. Uh, Steph on Marbury. I mean, I miss Steph. Steph gets a bad rap around here. Can I, can I, uh, this is another question from Richard. Uh, I'll take a few more and then I got to finish up or finish, write the newsletter. Um, actually I'll take these two. So Carlos Matos says, Macri, do you think they'll trade for a third guy? And then Richard asks, can I, Emmanuel quickly be our, our, our full-time point guard by next year? Um, I think the first question depends on the second question because I think, yes, they're going to try to get a third guy. And I think they may, I don't know. This is where I get jammed up because I think Tibbs is such a traditionalist. And I think Tibbs likes to have his point guards be point guards, his shooting guards be shooting guards, his power forwards be power forwards and his centers be centers and so on and so forth. So the notion that they could try to get, you know, name whoever it is, Oladipo or Levine or 
Um, well, those are the two guys. And have that be the third guy and then just throw that dude in at the point guard spot and then either draft a wing or, um, you know, stick Burks or Bullock or whoever in there. I don't know. I don't know if I see them doing that. I see if they trade for that type of guy, I see them slotting that guy alongside Randall and, and RJ and have it be three, you know, those two, three guys be your two, three, and four, just because Tibbs is such a traditionalist. So, yeah, I could see Emmanuel Cookie being their starting point guard next year. Sure. Um, if they don't get lucky in the draft. And, um, yeah, why not? Um, 100%. Um, man, that's crazy. But I think that's where we're at. Uh, okay, well, a couple more. I'll go to 30 minutes. Um, answer this one. Michael Aaron um, has Emmanuel Cookie shown you enough yet to entertain the idea that he could run our offense or is he more likely to be the two two guard in a point guard's body? I think he could – again, that's an impossible question to ask in the NBA today because running an offense, like if you're the point guard and you have the pieces around you that you need to win in the NBA today, like Patrick Beverly is the starting point guard for a championship contender. Rajon Rondo was the starting point guard for a championship contender last year. Um, you, uh, Shake Milton you know, was the, was, or uh, the starting point guard for, for Philly last year. Like you could put out these point guards if you have other pieces. Do I think that Emmanuel quickly could be the engine to a good offense? That's asking a lot of a kid who is, you know, he's, I don't, you know, he's, I don't know that he's that type of shot maker, but could he be a starting point guard on a, could he, has he shown me enough to be a starting point guard on the in the right situation? Absolutely. If you're, if you could make shots at the, at the range and at the, frequency that he could make them and you could make the right passes when they're there to be made and he has i, I highlighted in the newsletter today he made some really good passes in the last game sure why not you could break down a defense he could and he you don't need to be able to break down a defense off the dribble all you need to be able to do is if you get that pick at the top of the arc you could get into the teeth of the defense and you need to be able to do something once you're there and quickly could do that so, I mean, I guess we'll see after the league starts to adjust to him. But, like, quickly even had a moment tonight where – or maybe it was last night. Yeah, I think it was last night where a team played the, the – uh, Chicago – or two nights ago. Uh, Chicago played the floater, and he just kicked it out. Like, that's what he needs to be able to do, and I think that's what he's doing. Um, hit that thumbs up for Mac. He's the best. Thank you. I appreciate it. Is there a thumbs up button on here that you could hit? If, if so, hit it. I, I don't really know how YouTube works. Um, Cade. Oh, Cade. Cade just hit the smoothest three. Kid is so poised, man. What do I have to give up for Cade? Oh God, what I would do? What I would do? You want to see me just acting like a drunken fool? Tune in on Lottery Night if they get the first pick because holy shit. Um, Rivers has sucked lately. Yeah, Rivers. Rivers hasn't been great. Um. Oh, thank you. Seven people have hit it so far. That's that's great. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Jonas, Theo Pinson, low-key, one of our most important players. I agree. Get that culture. Culture is maybe the best thing about this team. Um, all right. I think that's about it. Uh, Kuminga or Green from Evan? Um, I don't know. I'll rely on Spencer Perlman, who apparently has seen the um, um, mysterious uh, – 
elusive G League uh, scrimmage tape, the Ignite scrimmage tape, and he said Kuminga didn't look that great. Um, so I, I always I always get my draft takes from Spencer anyway. Um, Green sounds like more of the player that we need, um, but I want to see him, and we're gonna get to see him in a week, so that's awesome. And last one, um, who would you get in free agency if you had your way? It's a good one to end on. Who would I get in free agency if I had my way? I'd get Victor Oladipo. Yeah, I'd get Victor Oladipo. I think Victor Oladipo is really good. And I think he forced his way out of Indiana. And I think the way he did it was not great. Uh, But I would... If the medical checked out and I felt okay about the medical, which I'm who the hell knows, but if I felt okay about the medical, I would throw the bag at Victor Oladipo because I think Victor Oladipo is really fucking good. And I, 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 I've said this a few times. I was writing about the Pacers that season. He had an all NBA um, campaign and was like, got a couple MVP votes. That dude, that dude's good. Um, So that's what I would do in free agency. If I had my way, Oh, I don't Kawhi. Someone mentioned Kawhi. Obviously, if Kawhi, yes, if Kawhi Leonard wants to come to the Knicks, please come to the Knicks. I hope that goes without saying. Um, what did uh, Andrew, my my producer Andrew Claudio? If you had your way, throw the bag at Kawhi. This is a hypothetical. I'm sorry, that should have been obvious. It goes without saying. If I had my way, throw throw the bag at Kawhi. Um, you know who I would not throw the bag at? I would not throw the bag at Andre Drummond. Can I just say that for the record? I do not want to be the team that pays Andre Drummond his next contract. I just want to put that out there. Not Kyle. Is that is is Yash on here? Is that you, Yash? I think that I didn't realize Yash watched these things. No, I'm not throwing the bag at Kyle Quinn, uh, Yash. I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure he's busy in uh, – does Singapore have a league? I don't know. Anyway, uh, Kyle Lowry. If Kyle Lowry wants to come on a cheap one- or two-year deal, um, maybe. All right, I have to go write a newsletter. Uh, Thank you, everybody, so much. This was amazing. Um, I will give you a tidbit. Not a Knicks tidbit, but a a KFS tidbit. I have a a pretty cool podcast guest uh, coming up soon. I'm not going to say who it is, but it's good, and you're going to like it. So uh, if you're not subscribed to the Knicks Film School podcast, please subscribe. Please subscribe to this YouTube channel. And uh, thank you for tuning in tonight. Please subscribe if you haven't yet. Thank you, Andrew, for writing that. And I'll see everybody uh, on Saturday night. Adios.